0: This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Hey, good morning Austin Life Church. Um, this is this is new. This is interesting. Um, I, I did not go into this week thinking this, is, this would be happening. I really didn't. Um, but uh, as we've said in, in the letter, the email that went out, uh, we want to be, pro, um, what's the word, pro, uh, proactive. We want to be proactive in um, walking in, in step with the leaders and officials of the city, um, with the school districts, and uh, really just just being one united team and seeking to uh, prevent this from getting out of control. So we want to do our part. Um, we do live in a day where technology allows us to do something like this, um, and and God is still on His throne. And so it's not like, oh no, we weren't able to meet. Everything's going to fall apart. We're going to be all right. Um, God's going to be okay. He's got this. Um, but nonetheless, uh, here we are, digitally continuing through the Book of Acts. Today we're going to be in Acts chapter Acts chapter nine. And so uh, if you have your Bibles, um, go ahead and turn there. Um, turn off whatever other distractions may be around you, um, put, the, put the dog outside, whatever that looks like. Um, yeah, go ahead and, and turn to Acts chapter 9. Uh, I'm going to pray um, and, and ask God to, to help me because this is incredibly awkward for me uh, and challenging um, and, and that he would speak through me uh, in spite of my weaknesses and that you would be encouraged by his word and his voice today. Uh, so pray, pray with me. Holy God, um, this is a great test for me uh, and probably for others uh, just to um, push aside everything else and, and still know that you are God and you are present and you are active. Um, God, if, if anyone else is like me, there's a lot of distractions and challenges right now. There's a lot of um, outside factors and circumstances seeking to steal uh, our, our attention from you and our joy in you. And so, God, uh, would you break through? Would you over overshine um, the darkness with your light, with your truth? Uh, give us a, an encouragement and a hope in you. It's in Christ we pray together and we ask. Uh, amen. Um, this, this may come as a surprise to you, uh, but there's a lot I don't know. Uh, a lot that I don't know. Uh, literature? Um, nope. I'm, I, you can talk circles around me all day long when, when it comes to literature. I'll ask somebody what they do for a job and they'll say in, they're an engineer and I'm lost. I got nothing. There's like 9,000 different ways of engineering something. And so uh, engineering, nope, I'm out. Um, you want to talk about music? Uh, I'm not going to know much. Um, you want? I, I don't know how to play the cello um, in a way that sounds good. I played it once. It was awful. Like it cleared a room. Uh, so there's, just, there's a lot I, I don't know. I'm just going to admit it. Um, but here's one thing I do know, is that in this world, every one of us will face tribulation. Every one of us will face trials and struggles um, in, in, day, in life and in the day. Um, there will come a day when the darkness surrounds and we struggle to see the light on the other side. Every single one of us. And the reason I'm so confident in that is not, again, because of my knowledge or my vast experience in life, but because Jesus himself said, in this world, you will face tribulation. Like those are his words to us, that it is, it is coming for us. Um, the good news is he also said, don't be afraid because he's overcome the world. Uh, but I do know, we do know that, that trials will, will come. Now, what is happening today in our world uh, is unprecedented in my lifetime. I've never seen anything like this. Um, Monday, best we knew, we were going about life as usual, business as usual, and then by Friday, uh, I mean, the NBA is suspended, NHL, MLB, NCAA. There's no March Madness. I mean, I was ready to dominate the bracket, and, it, and it's gone. Um, major events like South by Southwest. It, I mean, the city of Austin is losing millions by this. Um, but it's canceled. Uh, concerts, movie theaters, schools are canceled. I mean, I've, got, I've, got, I've seen students who are like, well, I'm, I'm home for the semester now because it's all online. Um, I've never seen anything like this. And now here we are. Canceling worship services and doing things digitally. Um, it's just, it's unreal. Um, and and I think what, what makes something like this so challenging at times is it, it's out of our control in many ways. Like, yes, we can do things to help and prevent. But it, it, for some of us, it's going to come no matter what, right? Like we, we can't control everything and everyone and every interaction and it, it, so there's just that feeling, I think, uh, of helplessness. Like, here it comes um, for our, our world, and like it or not, it, it, it's coming for us. Like, there's this hopeless feeling that that comes. I think sometimes with like being out of control with it. Uh, now, whether you personally ever get affected by coronavirus or not, I, I don't. I don't know. Um, so, so maybe this one won't. No, it is going to affect you. It's going to affect all of us. Um, But maybe it doesn't leave you feeling hopeless or or just kind of helpless in a situation. But if this doesn't, something else will. Either to come in life or you've probably already experienced a day and a a season of of hopelessness, of helplessness. Of just like, throw your hands up. It is what it is. Like nothing's going to change here. Kind of a despair feeling. You know, maybe it's that interview that you interviewed again for another job and got turned down. Um, or you have prayed and asked and waited patiently for that relationship to come, that, that significant other to come, and you're still single. Or um, you have budgeted as best as you can, and you have washed your expenses as best as you can, and there's now an unforeseen procedure that has to take place that's going to uproot your, your financial plans. Um, you, you would love reconciliation to occur. You would love for healing in a relationship to occur, and it just seems to be going nowhere. There's mental uh, instability that you've asked God to take away, and it just seems to remain. I, I don't I don't, know, I don't know what it is for you. I know for me, it's this time of anxiousness and just asking for it to be done, and, and I just kind of feel helpless. Like, I don't even know what to do. You know, I, I, can't, I can't seem to control circumstances around me. And, and no doubt you know that as well. We all know disappointment and we all know despair. We all know a day where we just kind of throw our hands up and we're like, well, it, it is what it is, I guess. Like nothing nothing's going to change, except maybe it might. It could, B- because what the Bible tells us is that what may seem hopeless for us is not hopeless for the God of hope. What what's impossible for us is not impossible for God. What we can't seem to change, God and His power and grace is able to change. I think about Mark chapter four uh, and then into five. Right, the end of chapter four, the disciples are in a boat and there's a storm that has come on them and they're literally going down. There's nothing they can do. They're they're bucketing water out of the boat, but they can't, they can't stop it from filling in fast enough. There's nothing they can do. They're helpless to change their situation. But Jesus, after they wake him up from his nap, which is crazy. I love that. uh, Jesus stands out and he tells the storm to stop and the natural elements of this world obey him. He changes everything. Then they get to land and they come up and they're encountered by this demon-possessed man that no one has been able to control. He hasn't been able to control himself. No one else is able to control him. He's tormented in the depths of his soul. And in an instant, Jesus changes everything. And then there's the the woman who has been bleeding for 12 years and she spent all of her money on all kinds of doctors and no one has an answer. It's helpless. It's hopeless. There's no answer. It is what it is. The situation is not going to change. Deal with it. But Jesus comes on the scene and changes the situation. And then it's the the ultimate hopelessness, the ultimate defeat, death itself. A little girl has died. What, What do you do? Right. Like when someone dies, what do we do? We don't think like, oh, there's there's other opt- alternatives. Like, well, let's go to option B here. No, like that's it's done. End of story. Definitive. The ultimate helpless feeling. And yet Jesus trumps death itself by breathing life back into this girl. You, you got to think when when you look at the cross that, man, I mean, everybody thought it was over. It was done. That Jesus was defeated and then he rises from the dead and defeats sin and death because nothing is impossible with God. And, and I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you hear that and you go, yeah, I don't know about that. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that I buy that. Or maybe you, you think like one side of you is like, yeah, I believe that. And the other side is like, I, but at the same time, I, I don't know that I do. Um, I, if I'm being real honest, I, I think that's kind of where I, I believe it in the depths of my soul. And I also am struggling to believe it. It's just I, it's, I believe, but I also <laughs> help my unbelief, right? So I don't know where you're coming from today. But what I believe God wants to tell us today and wants to show us through Acts chapter 9 and Saul being transformed into Paul is that God is able that nothing is impossible with God, that he can absolutely transform a hopeless and helpless situation. So when we get to Acts chapter 9, right, the, the church has been on this like upward trajectory that, that just, I mean, would blow anyone's mind, right? So, so Jesus has risen from the dead and instructed his followers to go and be his, his witnesses and that they will receive his power. And then Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit literally comes and indwells them and gives them his power and they go. And in one sermon, over 3,000 people trust Christ and are baptized. Like, Lord Jesus, yes. It doesn't even have to be at our church. I just want to see something like that. Like, I want to just witness something like that, right? Like, and so, and then another couple thousand join after that. Like, it's just growing and growing. The, the Holy Spirit is moving. The, the, the kingdom of God is expanding. Great things are happening. And then we get to Acts chapter 7, where Stephen is boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus, and the, 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 he is so hated for it that they murder him. They stone him by throwing rocks at him until he dies. And it says at the end of Acts chapter 7, that they laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. In verse 8 of chapter 1, it says, Saul approved of his execution. And then it goes on and says, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So Saul is in Jerusalem causing havoc in Jerusalem by arresting and executing men and women who follow after Jesus. But outside of Jerusalem, the church is continuing to expand. We saw in Acts chapter 8 that Philip goes to Samaria and he preaches the gospel. And now Samaria is coming to trust Christ. And so the church is still growing. Even with this persecution taking place, the church is expanding. The gospel is going out. The the kingdom of God is building. There's a movement taking place. It's incredible. It's incredible. And then we get to chapter 9. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So there's this feeling of yes, God is doing great things, but at the same time, Saul is actively breathing murder against Christians. And not only that, but he has the authority of the Jewish of the Jewish council and priests saying yes. Go do that, Saul. And the Roman government's not protecting them. And so you've got this church that is saying yes to Jesus, and now they're being persecuted to the point of death. Like, you want to talk about helplessness and hopelessness. Like, yeah, hey, let me trust Jesus and follow Jesus. Oh, my kids might be orphans now. Like, I can't imagine that feeling of hopelessness and to know that the governing authorities are signing off on it. And so Saul is breathing murder against the church. Like he's violently opposing the church. Seems hopeless, helpless, impossible. Like try to put yourself in that position. Like he's just taken over. But nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God, even Saul. Acts 9 continues and it says, As he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Let me read that again. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you'll be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Saul is, is persecuting the, the Christian church. He is dragging men and women off to jail or killing them if need be. In Acts chapter 22, Paul, when sharing his testimony, he says, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. Saul was actively persecuting the church, and yet Jesus moves near you know i've said before that if i had to limit anything that i could teach you anything that i could could pass on i think one of the few things i would limit it to is that God is a God who moves near. He's always moving near. He's not moving away from us. It's us moving away from Him. He's not withholding from us. It's us walking away from Him. And yet God continues to move near. The offended one, God Himself, moves near to the offender, Saul. The offended one, God, moves near to the offender, you and me. God moves near to those who are actively opposing Him and persecuting Him. That is the God of incredible Overwhelming grace. That is a God who loves all people, even the chief of sinners. God moves near. He moves near. And then he asks Saul, why are you persecuting me? Look, there's there's a huge thing for us to learn here, a huge point. Saul was arresting men and women who had followed Jesus and yet Jesus tells him you're persecuting me. You see when we don't love others, we aren't loving God. When we when we actively do wrong to others, we have to realize we're actively doing wrong to God himself because when we trust Christ, we become a part of his family. We become a part of him. And so when we treat others wrong, we're treating God wrong. When I withhold love from you, I'm withholding love from God. Think about it this way. If if you say you love me, but you don't love my wife or my kids, then you don't love me because they are a part of me. They're, they're a part of my, my life, of my family, of my my being. And so if you treat me bad, you, you're treating them bad. If you treat them bad, you're treating me bad. If you attack my kids, you're attacking me. If you attack my wife, you're attacking me, because we're one, because we're a family, because we're a unit. And so when I attack someone else, I'm attacking God. When I attack his church, I'm attacking Jesus. So we have to realize that the way we love one another is the way we love God. That the measure of our love for God is seen tangibly in the measure of our love for one another. Andrew Murray, in his book, Humility, he, he said, The lesson is one of deep importance. The only humility that is really ours is not that which we try to show before God in prayer, but that which we carry with us and carry out in ordinary conduct. He says the insignificances of daily life are the tests of eternity because they prove what really is the spirit that possesses us. It is in our most unguarded moments that we really show and see what we are. John makes it really clear in 1 John that if we don't love others, we don't love God. That if we love God, we will love others. And that is the point that Jesus is making here is, hey, hey Saul, you're persecuting these men and women and you need to know that you're persecuting me and I'm not going to stand for it. That that he's going to step in and protect those who are his. And so I just, I want to encourage you and challenge you. No, no, God wants to, wants to bring this message. How you treat the people in your life is how you treat God. Make no mistake. When we don't love others well, we don't love God well. That's what the Bible tells us. And I believe God is serious about that message. And so Saul is persecuting Jesus, actively hostile against him, and yet Jesus moves Near in love. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Why? Why would God save Saul? I mean, Acts 26, Saul's giving his testimony again, and he, he says in verse 16 and verse 18, he says that Jesus told him, I'm delivering you and sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins in a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. God saved Saul to save him and to send him. That, that Saul would become Paul. That, that Saul would move from darkness to light. That Saul would move from a sinner to a saint. That Saul would move from unrighteous to righteous by the death of Jesus and his resurrection, that God would save Saul and send him out to be a witness to all people and to all places. But not only that, 1 Timothy 1, Paul's writing to Timothy and he says that God saved him to display Christ's incredible patience and to be a witness of the power of Christ to do the impossible. Look, God saved Saul, yes to save him, but also for you and for me, that we would look at the person of Saul at the impossible and see that God is able to do the impossible, that nothing is too difficult for him, that if God can save Paul, sorry, if God can save Saul, God can save us, that if Saul is not too far gone for the grace of God, then you and I are not too far gone for the grace of God. Man, we... We do, such a, we do such a terrible job of being open and honest. The, the devil has gotten such a foothold in us to, t- to make us think that we've messed up too much and that we've got to be quiet and we've got to hide and we've got to keep things buried and we've got to keep things in and all that's happening is as the devil is winning. Because when we read the Bible, we see the power and presence of Jesus is able to change lives, is able to take the the worst situation and flip it for good, is able to, to redeem all things for his glory and our good. We see that in the life of Saul and we see that in the Bible. So we don't have to hide. We can be open and honest about who we are and where we are, trusting and knowing that Jesus can transform us. That's what we get to see in Saul becoming Paul, is that in God's grace, he can change us. He's able. He can change the people around us. He's able. He can do anything he wants because he's able. There's hope. There's hope. And and you may not believe that right now. You may be in the midst of the battle and the struggle. I am there too. I'm struggling right now, but I know there's hope. There has to be hope because of who he is. There's hope. God saves Saul. He transforms him. And and I love that. I mean, Saul wasn't going looking for Jesus. Saul was going looking to, to persecute Jesus. He He was going looking to... Undo the work of the way, of Christians, of, of Christ. And, and yet God in his sovereignty said, no, 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 nope, I'm stepping in here. I'm coming to you and I'm changing your life. God is sovereign. He can do what he wants. He will accomplish his will. And we see the results of this in verse Verse 31 says that the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. That God takes this situation where there's persecution and hostility and death going from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and God says, no, no, that's not my plan. I'm gonna bring life from Jerusalem to Judea and to Samaria. He's going to bring life. He's going to move near and there's peace and the church is built up because God does the impossible and he's able. So, what do we do with this now? Like what, what's what what do we do? What's our role? Well, I, just, I just want to point out the second part of verse 31. It says, "In walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. Walking in the fear of the Lord, day by day, going through life, moment by moment, going through life. That's what that ongoing progressive verb for walking means. It's a, it's a progressive perfect tense. It's ongoing walking every day moment by moment in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. So the, 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 the ingredients, the, the atmosphere, the environment in which this takes place is among people who are daily fearing the Lord and walking in the comfort of His Holy Spirit. So what does that mean to fear the Lord? The, the word fear here isn't like a, a terror, like I'm going to hide, I need to hide from, from this vengeful, angry God. The fear of God is awe. It's worship, it's majesty, it's a proper respect for the author and creator of this world. It is a heartfelt worship and a humble obedience. That's what it means to fear God. A heartfelt worship and praise and love that moves us to a humble obedience. And God can do what he wants to do and will do what he wants to do. See, see Saul here. He, he did what he wants to do But more often than not, God moves near and his blessing, and his favor is toward the humble. The Bible says multiple times that God opposes the proud, but his grace is for the humble. And so if we want to encounter the blessing and a favor of God, we've got to walk in the fear of the Lord. We've got to worship him and fix our eyes on him. Colossians 3, I think, gives us such a great picture of that where the first three verses... Sorry, the first four verses talks about setting your mind on things above, fixing your eyes on Jesus, focusing on him, putting our heart in the proper place of worshiping him and focusing on him. And then it says to put to death anything that is earthly and to put on the things of Christ. So we fix our eyes on Jesus, we heartfelt worship him and then we walk in obedience that is the recipe of seeing his favor and his blessing. If we think that we're going to find his favor and blessing and we're not worshiping him, we're, we're probably not, that's probably not going to happen. If we think that we're going to find God's blessing and favor while actively walking in sin, we're, that, that's that's such a, an arrogant and prideful stance against the Lord. It's not going to happen. But when we humble ourselves and we fear God, and we walk in obedience. Man, the, the church is going to multiply, and not only that, we're going to find ourselves walking in the comfort of His Holy Spirit. We're going to find the peace and the comfort that transcends all understanding when we submit ourselves to His will and to His glory. So, I, I think to sum it up, maybe you're feeling hopeless right now. Maybe you're not. The, either way, the day's going to come, but we don't have to be hopeless because nothing is impossible for God. He can do anything and everything. Let's walk in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of His Spirit. And I believe we will see the growth and the healing and the life that Jesus came to bring us. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.